The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. On the Sabbath, Jesus went to dine at the home of one of the leading Pharisees, and the people there were observing him carefully. He told a parable to those who had been invited, noticing how they were choosing the places of honor at the table. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not recline at table in the place of honor. A more distinguished guest than you may have been invited by him, and the host who invited both of you may approach you and say, give your place to this man, and then you would proceed with embarrassment to take the lowest place. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Then you will be able to enjoy the esteem of your companions at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Then he said to the host who invited him, when you hold a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your wealthy neighbors in case they may invite you back and you have repayment. Rather, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. It's a great joy to be back here this year with all of you. But I have to confess, I was, I was hoping for the first Mass of the year we'd have a more exciting gospel to preach about. I mean, this, this sounds like an etiquette lesson from the Son of God. You know, it's, it's like someone said, Dear Miss Manners, I'm going to a wedding, and I don't know where to sit. What should I do? Sincerely, confused Hope College student. And right as Miss Manners is getting ready to, to fill out her reply, Jesus comes storming and is like, Out of the way, lady, I got this one. Dear confused Hope College student, don't sit at the head table. Awkwardness will ensue. Go to the back, near the stone jugs with water. Something good will happen, I promise. Sincerely, Jesus, King of the Universe. <laughs> just, it's just a kind of a, a, of a letdown in a way, this gospel, you know, that well, it's just, it just seems about manners. But I think the right way to approach scripture is well, if the Son of God is saying it, and if he wanted to ensure that it was recorded by the Gospel writers through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, well, then there's something really important that he's trying to say. And I think actually this Gospel today can be, can be read on a couple of levels. So first of all, I think the Gospel most, is most perfectly fulfilled by Jesus Christ himself. And when you think of, well, what does it mean to take the lowest seat, to choose the worst? Well, when you're God, what could be more humble? What could be lower than choosing to become a creature? You know, and, and a creature with all the problems that creatures have, and even just sort of the ordinary 
ickiness of life, you know, sweating and going to the bathroom and having to eat and indigestion and, you know. And then on top of that, crucifixion and suffering and death. And so there's no further step down than, than what happens in Jesus' own existence as, as the Son of God. St. Paul uh, tells the Philippians, Have among yourselves the same attitude that is also yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped at. Rather, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, coming in human likeness. And found human in appearance, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the downward movement for Jesus is from the throne of heaven to the cross. But Jesus is also the perfect example of going up in the other direction as well. You know, as someone says, you know, come higher, my friend, move up to a higher position. Well, there's no, there's no greater ascent than going from the land of the dead on Holy Saturday back up to the very throne of heaven. So there is this human body and soul that is sitting in, on the throne of heaven and has become God. It's a, pretty big, it's a pretty big movement. And so when we read this, this um, parable that, that Jesus tells, I think we first of all have to see him in the midst of it. But it's not just about God. It's also about God's people. And I think that's what the, the whole second reading is about. I think it's this um, very beautiful passage from, from Hebrews. So first of all, the, the first half, when it's, it's talking about the Jewish people. So author of the Hebrews says, You have not approached that which could be touched, and a blazing fire and gloomy darkness, and a storm and a trumpet blast, and a voice speaking words, that those who heard beg that no message be further addressed to them. Every, every single one of those is a reference to the Jewish people and their encounter with the Lord, and especially him leading them out of Egypt through this pillar of cloud and fire. Okay. So that's, that's their experience of God. And they hear him speak to them in such a way that those who heard beg that no further message would be addressed to them. Well, why? Well, because the voice that he spoke with was so powerful, so majestic, that it, it scared people. You know, it, it humbled them. It put them in awe of his majesty and his greatness. And that's the movement of God's people sort of lowering themselves before his majesty, before his might and power. But it doesn't end there. Because then it goes on to say, No, you have approached Mount Zion in the city of the living God, with the angels and the firstborn, and God, the judge of all, and Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. So the movement of God's people is, first of all, to humble them, to let them see his power, and then, in that humility, then to have them encounter Jesus in this new and, and personal way, to encounter God in this new and personal way, in the flesh, and to encounter him in spirit. It's this beautiful movement of humbling and raising up. And as you might expect, the third way to read this, this passage, this gospel passage from Jesus, is applying to ourselves. That this is also the movement of 
the spiritual life, to be humbled and to be raised. And, you know, individually, we, we struggle in different ways with this, with the humbling and with, with the being raised, with both. You know, I think one, one sort of just common, more sort of everyday, um, uh, I think, e- example of what Jesus is talking about is uh, FOMO, fear of missing out. And so often, people put off commitments, you know, they, they, they pull out of social commitments, they, they don't want to do things because there might be something better coming along. And so, eh, I don't want to commit now because who knows what's going what's gonna to happen next. And so it's, it's always looking for the very highest place that we can get. It's not about the lowest. It's not about the lowest. It's always seeking the highest. I think that's part of the fear of missing out. It's not the whole thing. Of course, more generally, I think we're challenged to see our deficits as, as they really are. And, and sometimes we can be very blind to them. And as, as I was thinking about this, I was trying to think about what's a good example, perhaps from my own life, that I can use. And I remembered something from high school. Um, which even to talk about now, like, I mean, it's just, it, it makes me cringe. It's very embarrassing. So senior year of high school, there was this retreat that I went on through, through Fenwick, where, where I went to high school. And one of the exercises on the retreat was you had to write a little letter to yourself in the future. Okay. So I wrote, <laughs> I wrote my little letter to myself. And like, I don't remember the exact wording, but the gist of it was, Nick, you're awesome. Keep being a great Catholic. Um, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, so I, I wrote that, and, and then you had to turn it in uh, to the campus ministry retreat team. And then shortly after that retreat, I underwent this, this very profound conversion experience, which involved, uh, part of it was um, confronting a lot of my own sins in my life. And, and it was an immensely humbling and trying experience. And like a year or two after that, I got the card back in the mail. And I was like, oh. I mean, I just like, I, I wanted to just, it, it, was, it was just like, wow, wow. Um, I, I'm still impressed but with my powers of self-delusion. I mean, it was, that was amazing. <laughs> but I think it's something that each of us in our own way can can identify with that, you know, sometimes we're kind of struck by the reality of ourselves. As we grow, we look back, it's like, oh my. And so if, if that kind of humility is something you struggle with, so there's actually this uh, very lovely lime green paper that was included in your hymn book today. And on one side of it, side of it is the Litany of Humility, written by Cardinal Marie Delval, who was, who was a very holy man, I lived about 100 years ago, was Secretary of State at the Vatican, um, and it's a great prayer, you know, if, if that's what you need to work on. But I think another challenge that, <clears throat> that we face in life, uh, which gets less press but I think goes a lot deeper and is equally important, is the other part of it. That we, we not only struggle to take the lower place, to see our faults as they really are, we also struggle with the invitation to come up higher. And it seems weird that we would struggle with that. 
it's like, well, wouldn't we, wouldn't we want the people to think well of us when we want you know, what is great and, what, and good and honor? But a lot of times that's, that's not the case. And it's all over the gospel. You know, Jesus says to John the Baptist, hey, baptize me. No. He says to Peter, let me wash your feet. No. And it's not humility. It's not real humility. Real humility is what Mary looks like when the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, you're going to be the mother of God. She says, let it be done to me according to your word. That's what humility looks like. God said this, okay. And there's that, that, humble, that humble acceptance of honor and of glory. And that's what, that's what real, I think, humility looks like. And real trust in God. Real obedience to his word. And a lot of times we don't, we don't want it. Because there's a reluctance to approach God, to be great, to try to be a saint. There's a fear of failure. It's a fear of the demands of discipleship. So there are, there are a lot of good reasons to put off moving up to that head table, to responding to the Lord's invitation, to that intimacy, to that love. And so if that's what you struggle with, then on the other side of that lime green piece of paper, there's the litany of trust written by the Sisters for Life in New York. And I think it's also a very beautiful, a very beautiful prayer um, that can help you sort of entrust yourself to God's hands and move to where he wishes you to be, which is with him, and which is to really love him and to really trust him. And in terms of what that looks like on a, on a practical level, it's hard to think, in my mind, of a, of a better way of drawing closer to the Lord, of responding to that invitation, just friends, sit up higher, than to encounter Jesus in the Eucharist, either at Mass or in adoration. Um, so we have Mass here every day, adoration, twice a week. Um, but it's a tremendous... I think honor, tremendous honor that God makes himself available to be there for us in this most intimate way. And it's not something that was always there for God's people. You know, if you look in, in the, uh, with the Jewish people, and as God is, you know, revealing himself to them, in their worship, in the, in the tent, in the desert, and then in the temple, there's, there's only one person who once a year is allowed to enter into the very holy of holies into the presence of God, and that's the high priest. Once a year. Pretty, pretty rare honor. The idea is that now with the Eucharist, Jesus wants to make himself available to all of us. So I think that's a really practical way to respond to God's call. But what exactly Jesus is asking each of you in your own lives is something that I don't know, but he knows. So we're going to end with prayer. So I want you to close your eyes. If you can still see me, you're not doing it right. Good, okay. And I want you to be aware of Jesus' presence within you. And to ask him in your heart, Jesus, what is it that you want from me this year? What is it that you want from me this year? 
how can I draw closer to you?